Hey everyone, welcome to the House Church Podcast. This is Pastor Jamie here. I'm so glad you decided to join us for today's broadcast. Every time we come together as a church, people encounter God. So my prayer is that you too would experience His presence and hear His voice for yourself. Please enjoy today's message. Holy Spirit of God, you're here, and you're stirring hearts, you're, you are moving, you're speaking, you're shaping, Lord, you're doing a work in your people, and we're so grateful for it. Thank you, Lord. Father in heaven, I am asking today in the mighty name of Jesus that you would bring alignment to this congregation that we might step into and walk in fullness, walk in the fulfillment of your kingdom manifesting on this earth. Father, I am asking that you would release your angels, God, to work and minister among us, to partner with your people, Lord, to fulfill the word, the promises, the prophetic realities, God, all that you have declared from the beginning of what you would want to see happen on planet earth, that we might participate, we might be a part of your kingdom and seeing it all come under the lordship of Jesus, that the planet, that peoples, nations would be redeemed, that reconciliation would take place, God, that sons and daughters would be born, that we might walk and live truly as a family of God. We thank you for this. God, I bless your people this morning, and I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would move among us and help us, Lord, to understand that we might, Lord, walk in your purposes. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you're in for it now. Here we go. This is Mark chapter 8, verse 22 through 26. Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 26. It's a story about Jesus ministering. You can go ahead and throw that up there. Jesus is ministering to a blind man. They came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to Jesus, and they implored him to touch him. So what are they wanting? They're wanting this blind man to see. Yes? Wag your heads. You got to say yes. Listen. All right. There we go. Here we go. <laughs> Taking the blind man by the hand, he, Jesus, brought him out of the village, and then he spit on his eyes. Aren't you glad? That we don't, I know a guy, okay, <laughs> true story, he was in this church for a long time, he was a, he was a radical dude, and he felt like he was supposed to, listen, we follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit, but we're stepping out there, this guy was radical, he was gonna follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit, because he wanted to see God move, and he did, many times. This is one of these times, okay? Jesus spit in this dude's eyes. Okay, that felt like permission to my friend. <laughs> right? To do something radical. So he's out to lunch with this guy, and it's a business guy, and, and this guy has got glasses, thick glasses, and like eye problems, legitimate eye problems. And, uh, and my friend says to him, I think God wants to heal your eyes. Right? You know what's coming? He said, but here's the deal. I feel prompted that I'm supposed to take this Tabasco sauce here 
and put it on my thumbs and rub it on your eyeballs and then God will heal you. And he did. And the guy was like, okay, let's go for it. And he did. And the guy got healed. Okay. This is what happens when you give like loaded weapons to youth, okay? The kingdom of heaven's at hand, okay? Your hands are loaded. Listen, don't follow that example, okay? But follow the Holy Spirit's example. Jesus gets prompted. He's supposed to spit in this dude's eyes. Maybe that's why he took him out of town. I don't know. We'll see, okay? We're going to talk through this parable. Or it's not a parable story. After taking the man by the hand, he brought him out of the village. Everyone say, out of the village, Okay? After spitting in his eyes and laying hands on him. So he put a hand on his shoulder and he spits in his eyes. And he says, do you see anything? <laughs> he looked up and he said, whoa, I see men. I, I see men. For I see them like trees walking around. Okay, so something's happened. Yeah? Next step. Then again, he laid hands on his eyes. So you can see it, right? You see anything? I see men, they're walking around like trees. Okay. Puts his hands on his forehead. And he lifts away. And now, look, it says, and he, little h, the man, okay? And he looked intently. Everyone say intently. With great intention. He looked specifically. He's trying to see now. This is not a casual approach. He has had something happen, and now he's taking advantage of the moment, and he was leaning into it. He looked intently and was restored, and he began to see everything clearly. Woo! Come on, next verse. Yeah? And Jesus sent him to his home saying, do not even enter that village again. Don't go. Something's going on here, yeah? First of all, Jesus doesn't need a warm-up round. He didn't need practice, and when he spit in that dude's eyes, that guy was healed. He was healed immediately. It was not, this, Jesus didn't lay hands on him a second time because he messed up the first time. That's not what happened here. Right? Jesus spit in the dude's eyes, and he unlocked the promise. He unlocked it to him. Here you go. And the man now had to apprehend what was given to him. The man now had to look intently. There was a part to play on the human side of things, not just on the God side of things. The door was unlocked. The way was made. But now you have to decide, do you really want to see? Jesus takes him out of the village. In other words, the environment was, was there was something in the environment that was... I don't want to say preventing him from seeing, but it's the environment that has that dude locked into a type and a mold. You're a blind guy, right? And so the guy had to leave his environment to be free from the environment that was keeping him in that place, that title, that role, that whatever. He had to step out of the zone of comfort. Jesus spits on him, unlocks the door, opens the door of opportunity to him. Last week, we talked about the threshold that God has brought to humanity right now. We are in a transition in time and in history. There are so many opportunities that are available to us right now. 
We just went through a whole bunch of pain, a whole bunch of pain around race relations. Whole bunch of pain. Stirred up historical realities. Stirred up atrocities. We're talking about this for real right now, right? Am I I the only one that experiences it like this? George Floyd's death, tragic, stirs up a whole bunch of realities made public. And we're all talking about the whole world is talking about race relations. The door is open now, and we have an opportunity to step through it. But the scripture talks about thresholds. This is the eye of the needle. And if you want to go through it, you have to leave behind the old identity to step into the new day. In other words, you have to actually change. And so when humanity, when we, history, takes us to the very edge of change, Transition. We went through all this pain, all this setup. Do you really want change? See, because I think we started to see men like trees walking around. I think we, I think we were like, oh, wow, it's, it's not great to be, it's not, it's not a great situation necessarily to be African American in a race tension time. I don't, I, don't wanna ha- I don't have to teach my son that they have, to, they have to behave a certain way when they're getting pulled over by a police officer. I don't have to do that. But I know that some of y'all have had to. Are you alive? Can we talk real talk? Are we able to do that? So when we pull up to the door and transition and we're looking through and we go, oh, look at that. There's the potential for change, but that would mean I would have to leave behind some of the ways that I do things. That would mean that I need to lay some things down in order to step into a new day. We're going to have to change. And the question gets posed, do you really want to see? Do you want to see or not? Because the opportunity is there, and Jesus has made a way for healing and restoration and reconciliation. He has made a way for us to enter into these things, but we have to choose. And the same thing happens to that man. I don't know how old he was when he lost his sight, but it says his sight was restored. That means at some point in his life, something happened, and he lost his sight. And then he was in an environment that was keeping him in that place. And Jesus took him outside of the town and he gave him his sight back by spitting in his face. I don't know why. You're going to have to ask Jesus someday. I don't have that answer. But I know when that door was open that the opportunity was given and then the man had to look intently. He had to change his perspective. And once he looked intently and he grabbed hold of sight, it was restored to him. It was made available. The man grabbed hold of it. He seizes the day. He comes through that door. And then Jesus says to him, do not go back into the environment that has you labeled. Do not go back into the environment that is holding you in a point of view. Young man, you got free from alcoholism. Stop going to the bar. Right? You get this. I think there are moments when the Lord begins to shift our perspective, and once he shifts our perspective, you cannot go back. The opportunity is given. Red pill or blue pill? You know what I'm talking about right now? Okay? 
<laughs> so, okay, how many have no idea what I'm talking about? The red pill or blue pill? Just, just come on, loud and proud. I have no idea what you're talking about, PJ. Okay, Lamont, did you just raise your hand? Oh, man. Okay, I love sci-fi movies. I love fantasy. Lord of the Rings, all the way. Like, loved it, okay? The Matrix, Lamont, is what I'm talking about, The Matrix. Oh, you saw the movie. Oh, man, come on. Was this just the first time you've listened in church? What's going on? <laughs> Lamont's on staff here, works with our kids. He's amazing, okay? I'm just giving him a hard time this morning. Yes, thank you. He's a leader of men, leader. You can throw that label on your heart, buddy. You are a leader. Um, but, but here's the deal. I love, I love sci-fi, I love fantasy, I love all that. And the reason is because I get to leave my current reality behind and embrace a totally new point of view. I love it. But, but the problem with those kinds of movies is there's always like a secret. And once you know the secret, the movie's ruined. It's just how it is. There's always something that they're not telling you. Right? And then you have to watch the whole series of movies. You have to watch the storyline progress. And then once, that's, once the, the ingredient is revealed, then suddenly the whole thing makes sense. But once you see it, it stops being a mystery. It stops being, right? It just is, once you see it, you cannot go back. Titanic. Did you know the boat sinks? Because if you go into that movie... If you go in that movie thinking that they're on just an adventure across the sea, you know, and then suddenly, that whole movie's about the boat sinking. I didn't, you know, come on. Ruined it. Somebody ruined it for me. Have you ever had somebody ruin a movie for you, ruin a storyline? Okay, I'm about to ruin your reality. I'm about to ruin your reality. I'm about to ruin the dream you think you are living in right now, Okay. Not conspiracy theory, don't worry. That's not the kind of service we're in. But I, I, I really feel, truly, okay, listen to me now. <laughs> I really feel that this, this piece of understanding is one of these keys that the Lord gives to a generation that if, you'll, if you jump in, if you understand, if you're willing to take it, it unlocks God's secrets and it, it transitions people from one season to the next I feel like that's where we're at right now, okay? I have preached on this topic for really 15 years. I've been trying for 15 years to get a message out of me, trying. Like fire shot up in my bones. I can't get rid of it. I'm trying to get it out of me. Have been trying. I feel like in this season, in these moments, articulations finally coming to me in such a way that I'm feeling it offload. It's being imparted because I think right now is the time. All right? If I haven't tuned your ears in yet, then that's fine. You go backwards and listen. I, I there is this, uh, there's a, a, a story about Chinese bamboo, that bamboo, that when, when you plant bamboo, at least this is what I've read about it, so if you're a bamboo expert and you want to dispute me, do it afterwards, please. Let me live in my fantasy. 
No, I, I, was, I, I've, I read about this. This is what happens. They plant bamboo. When you're trying to plant a bamboo tree, they plant it, it goes underground, and the root system begins to take hold, and they have to water and fertilize it, and it takes five years. It takes five years of plant of, of watering and fertilizing, and the thing is underground for five years. You don't see it come through until it's ready. And once it breaks ground, in five weeks, it will grow 90 feet. Five years of underground, something happened, you can't see what's going on. Okay? And then in five weeks, once it breaks through, once clarity comes, in five weeks, it will shoot into the air 90 feet. Can I tell you that the work that's happening internally in your heart is so much more important than the busyness of activity on the outside? That your character matters. That the little things and being aligned with God in the little things, those are not little things. You know what a plumb line is? I meant to bring one this morning, but a plumb line is a, is a weight that you hang on a string, and with gravity, you can tell what is perfectly vertical. And so they'll hang a plumb line off of a wall as they're building a brick wall. And the reason is because if you're off just a little bit in one row of bricks, the whole wall can be off after that. You can be off so slightly at the beginning, the little things. And if you're off with the little things, by the time you get into the air, you're way off. So when Jesus says those who are faithful with the little things, they can be made ruler of much. Because if you're willing to actually align your heart, do the hard work. I know you have an opinion about stuff, but maybe you're being asked to align yourself to something you don't understand. So when you're saying no to the little things, do you realize that you're actually saying no to having authority to do anything after that? I think your managers see that worldview as well. You want to be promoted? Maybe you might want to listen. Oh, got quiet up in here. Okay. Five years under the ground in five weeks, 90 feet in the air. How quickly can the Lord take you from nothing to something? Oh, buddy. There's a reason why he's working on your heart and your life right now. You should listen. Pay attention. Do the hard work. The hard work is the internal stuff, not the external. Amen, Pastor Jamie. Good job there. Okay. There's this story. There's a story um, about how the temple was built. And it's one, of, it's one of these kind of stories that lit me up so powerfully. And I've been unpacking it ever since. Just the Holy Spirit breathed on this one for me. You, you probably have your own versions of this, you know, where God spoke. And then it's just become a kind of a life message. That happened for me and the one I'm sharing with you today. In the building of the temple, if you turn to uh, 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 1, there's this little snippet that gives us a window into what took place in the building of the temple. And I want to unpack it for you. 1 Kings 6, 1. 
Now it came about in the 480th year after the sons of Israel came out of the land of Egypt that in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziv, which is the second month, that he began to build the house of the Lord. Stop. That says something. In the exit out of Egypt, Moses began to lead God's people across the wilderness. And they were heading towards a land that God had promised to them. Abraham had sojourned in that land, and God said to Abraham, your descendants will possess this land. If you know the story, the descendants of Abraham, the children of Israel, moved to Egypt because of famine. While Joseph was in charge, dad and the brothers all moved to Egypt, and they lived there for 400 years, and they grew into a great nation. But they were living in Egypt, and eventually they became slaves. It turned bad for them. And now God is going to bring them out of slavery to the land that he promised them originally. And so this is where they're at. So they're exiting one season. They have to leave everything behind. Are you alive? But the life of a slave probably wasn't that great, was it? Okay? So they're leaving the land of slavery. You got to exit. You got to leave that stuff behind, y'all. Okay? You cannot bring the world into the kingdom. It doesn't fit. Leave it. If you just got saved recently, you need to abandon all that worldly stuff. Leave it behind, seriously. Leave the old identities. God's about to give you something of promise, and it's going to be awesome, but you got to let it go, okay? You enter into the process of redemption. Moses, while they're in the wilderness, they're leaving slavery towards promise. In that season of time, God begins to show how to worship him. He begins to reveal how the people of Israel are to worship the Lord. God anoints a man named Bezalel. He's a craftsman. And it says that God gave the spirit of wisdom and creativity, an anointing, marked this man with wisdom so that he would know how to create all of the items for worshiping the Lord. And Moses is encountering God and the Lord is showing him how worship takes place in heaven. And Moses is communicating to a man who is anointed with wisdom. And this man's job is to create on earth what Moses saw in heaven. Are you alive? And in that process, they create what is known as the tabernacle. It's Moses' tabernacle. It's how you worship God. There's courts to it. There's a system. There's ways to worship in the Lord. Okay? From the very beginning of the exit of Egypt towards the promised land, they have been conceiving of how to worship God. You got to hear me. Okay, keep following me in the story. Don't tune out. Trust me, I'm talking to you this morning, for reals. 
they begin to dream about what it's like to worship God. And I can promise you from the very beginning when God starts to show them how to build this tent where they meet with God, that they were thinking about physical structures. They were dreaming about temples. They were, they were dreaming about how do we do this for permanent sake? Why are we doing this in a tent? Pouring all this expense into something that's mobile. Doesn't make sense. For 480 years, they are dreaming about how to worship God in a permanent way. It's just a tent, though. They keep moving it around. Eventually, we know that David becomes king. 400-something years in. I mean, this is, this is a long time of conceiving about, thinking about how to worship God in a more permanent way. David becomes king. And, and in the Psalms 133, you see, Psalms 130 through 133, you see this progression of revelation where David goes, I know that God wants to dwell amongst men. Emmanuel, God with us. God wants to be here. He wants to dwell with us, so let's build him a house. And David knows the perfect spot. It is the hill where Abraham offered his son Isaac. Mount Zion. It's not the tallest hill, by the way. If you've ever been to Jerusalem, you'll know that Mount Zion is a, it's a low hill amongst tall hills. Why in the world would they pick the low hill? Because that's where Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice to God. My theory is that Abraham was an old man at that time. He looked at the taller hills, and he's like, nah. I'm just going to go that one. That's what I would do. I'm like, are you kidding me? Why would I backpack up all that stuff? No way. Right there. That's a good hill. Let's do that one. Zion's not the tallest hill, but God likes that place. And so David knew that. But the thing is, is that that hill was occupied by a foreign nation. There was a different nation living there. And so David was going to have to go to war. He was going to have to fight to obtain that hill. But he knew God liked that hill. And so he went to war to obtain that city. And that city, Jerusalem, is the very place where all of Israel decided, yeah, we're gonna serve David as our king. Before that, it was only two tribes that were following him. Soon as he conquers Jerusalem, now all 12 tribes are willing to serve him. Something specific and powerful is taking place in that location. It's still a powerful place today. It's warred over. There's so much contention over that hill. That hill. Mount Zion. David goes, I'm going to build God a permanent house. We have been talking about this for far too long. I'm going to do it. And so David commits. He brings the prophet in and he's like, hey, Nathan, I'm going to build God a house. And not only that, I've decided that I'm not going to allow my head to rest in a nice house. I'm not going to build my house until I've built God a house, a place where he can dwell amongst man permanently. Because I know that that's the dream of God's heart. God wants to be here in permanent sake amongst people. He wants Emmanuel, God with us. He wants the new Jerusalem to be permanently on the earth with humanity. 
David saw that in God's heart and was like, I'm going to do that. I know that's what God wants. So he commits to it. And Nathan the prophet says to him, listen, dude, let's, can we be real for a second? So you're really, really, really good at swinging a sword. Like you're really good at it, David. Like lopping off heads, you're the man. Right? We got a city to conquer. You're the dude. Let's do that. Right? Your sword is bloody. Your hands are bloody because that's what you're good at. But your son, your son will know how to swing a hammer. I'll put the plumb line in your son's hand. He will know how to do architecture. And so David, while it's your heart to do this, this dream that's in your heart will not take place in your life. You're going to have to empower the next generation to have vision for what God wanted to do. Okay? David, you're good at swinging a sword. You have blood on your hands, though, and so we need to give it to your son. And do you remember what happened when Solomon took the throne? God comes to vision to visit him in a dream at night. Do you remember what's offered him? God says, you can have anything. And what does Solomon ask for? The spirit of wisdom. The spirit of wisdom rests on Solomon. What does Solomon do with it? He takes what is the image of heaven and the worship of God, and he builds it on earth. He takes the divine vision and he establishes it on earth. The spirit of wisdom is able to manifest, is able to make manifest what is in heaven here for real on earth. Jesus functioned under the spirit of wisdom when he laid down his life and established permanently that God would dwell amongst men in man's hearts. Because God has always wanted to be with humanity. Because the reality of the lordship of our king is meant to be manifested for real on the planet, not just metaphorically. Are you alive this morning? Come on. 480 years of planning in order for, okay, listen to this, 5,760 months. That's how many months they were thinking about a temple. But Solomon, under the spirit of wisdom, in 50, 50 months, takes what had been being planned for 5,700 months, and he manifests it in 50. What that tells me? That tells me, first of all, the percentage is this, 99.9913. That's the percentage of how long it takes underground before it manifests above ground. 99.9913% of the time we're searching for clarity. But as soon as clarity is obtained, as soon as you know without a shadow of a doubt this is what God wants to do, it can happen. It can happen overnight. It'll happen overnight. 99.9913% of it, though, is happening underground. It is happening in hearts. Clarity is being worked on behind the scenes. And as soon as a man or a woman grabs hold of it, it can be manifested in the earth immediately.
these guys went ahead of you right now. They were thinking ahead and what that means, and then you got it. Yep. <laughs> Hebrews 1.14. Okay? Hebrews 1.14. This is talking about angels and their role, what angels do. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Speaking of angels, they are ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. Seems pretty straightforward. Let's talk about this. They are, their spirit, an angel, whose assignment from heaven is to partner with people for the sake of inheritance, inherit, to inherit. Inheritance, heritage, generational promise. God's purposes generationally. Now it says for salvation. Salvation is not just for humans. It includes humans. Like salvation is about people. And so are angels helping people come to know Jesus? Of course they are because it's part of the plan. But is that all that we're talking about here? No, 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 friends. Jesus came to save that which was lost, and that which was lost was more than people. It was the planet. It was everything under the the rule of man. The Lord is trying to redeem the planet. Pastor Jamie, but the Lord's going to burn the planet up. Mm, Can we think about that for a moment here? Like God's going to just blow the thing up, and then afterwards he'll make a new one, right? New heaven, new earth. Mm Mm-hmm. It says he's going to baptize the world with fire. That sounds like a bad day. But isn't that what happened to you when you got saved? And the, and the Holy Spirit will baptize you, right? Right? With fire. Fire! Who said that back there? Come on. We, we, oh, man. South America knows how to pray fire, right? And fuego Dios, right? Like, come on, Jesus, get him with your fire. Okay, when the Lord, when the Lord baptizes you with fire, what's that about? Is that about your destruction or is it about your redemption? Is it about the transformation or is it about the destruction? No, no, he's transforming you with his fire. The Lord is wanting to bring transformation to the world. He's redeeming the planet, and angels have an assignment to work with humans who have chosen to align themselves with God's redemptive purpose generationally. And so every time you see a human in the scriptures go, they figure something out. They're like, oh, God wants to do that. As soon as they step their life into alignment with it, they're like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and leave being a shepherd boy, and I'm going to embrace the anointing to be king. David's life suddenly is encountering angels, suddenly is encountering supernatural, suddenly the world's opposed to him. He was just a little shepherd boy, but suddenly he embraces destiny, and boom, he's in a war. Gideon. He's just getting some food for his family, but he knows that God is wanting to redeem the land and an enemy is there. So what happens? Gideon's threshing out wheat 
And an angel shows up and goes, ah, oh, you're the mighty valiant warrior. How did the angel know he's the mighty valiant warrior? Because the little things define the big things. And Gideon's in the middle of town threshing out grain. He's in the middle of the town where the enemies are, and he's threshing out grain, saying, you want some? Come get some. Chip on his shoulder. He's ready to fight. And suddenly, an angel shows up, a messenger spirit, which now is going to partner with Gideon to win back the country. Story after story after story after story. There are so many. There are modern examples of this. I have examples of this personally. That as soon as I said yes, and as soon as I answered, I stepped into something. Boom, we had supernatural stuff, signs and wonders, angels for real show up. This is your life. It's an invitation. All you have to do is say yes. But I, Whoa, slow your roll. Come on now. Because... One should take very seriously this reality because you are needing to exit the old structure. Just being confined. Mm. Is it getting hot in here? There's this story, Daniel, okay, he's a eunuch. He was taken captive when his nation was taken over, and he's a young man, but they recognize on him that he's a smart kid, and so they make him a eunuch. He'll never have kids, but he's put into service of the king. So Daniel finds himself in this weird position where he is now serving foreign kings, but he loves the Lord, and he's called. There's purpose on his life. And, and so Daniel keeps setting his face towards Jerusalem. And he's going, God, where are you? Right? He's doing that with his life three times a day. Praying towards Jerusalem. Praying towards Jerusalem. Where is he praying towards? Mount Zion. Right? This thing is in him. And, and he's pouring over the scriptures. He's looking at the prophet's writings. And he comes across the prophet Jeremiah's writing. Because Jeremiah... Was, was keeping the prophetic words that God was giving to him. He was writing them down right before Israel went into captivity. So Jeremiah's got all these prophetic words about what's about to happen. And Daniel comes across this passage that tells him that they're only going to be in captivity for 70 years. He comes across the promise. God said we'll only be in captivity for 70 years. And Daniel realizes that the 70 years have come to pass. It's time. It's time. And so Daniel sets his face towards heaven, and he begins to pray. And his point of view is this. I'm going to fast and pray and seek God until an answer comes. He is grabbing hold of it. He sees through the door. Oh, there's some men over there that they look like trees, but he's not seeing clearly yet. Right? A little glimpse. But he grabs hold of it, and he's not going to change the point until an answer comes. And so he begins to set his face towards God in prayer. And it says that Gabriel, the angel, shows up to explain to him what must come to pass. Y'all. 
we are sitting in this redemptive moment where society has slammed against many transitional moments. I talked to you last week about the finances. The largest transfer of wealth in human history is happening right now. Right now. It's not going to show up in your bank account. You have to do something if you want to partner with heaven in this. Okay? It's, the answer is not Bitcoin. The answer is not some scheme. Okay? I'm, I'm not slamming anything. I'm just telling you, it's not a scheme. There's a divine transition taking place. And in that divine transition, humanity has the option of partnering with heaven or not. Will we leave behind the old and embrace the new? We have that in race relationships. We have that in government. We have that in nationalistic points of view. I don't know what we're on the doorfront of. I don't know what we're on the... I don't want World War III. Does any of you? Okay, but we're in a multipolar world right now, and every time in history that happens, that's what takes place. Where you have nations that have power, multiple of them, not two nations, bipolar or unipolar world, but a multipolar world. And every time that happens in world history, every time a war breaks out. Or could we be on the threshold of something kingdom that is so far greater than anything we've ever experienced. I think you and I have the opportunity to embrace that. I really do. But it's going to require change. Jesus, okay, I can't, I can't, quit, quit causing me to go down rabbit trails, okay? Stop it. Here's the deal. There is great inheritance and promises that were given to previous generations. Promises. Prophetic words. There, there are things that God has been passing down from generation to generation. Inheritance. Angels and heaven because in heaven, there's something called the cloud of witnesses. And the cloud of witnesses are interceding. They are praying for us that we would pick up clarity on what was supposed to happen, what God's plan is. Scripture talks about Jesus, that Jesus is interceding on our behalf. That we would, that we would wake up. That, that you wouldn't go back, that you would see. And once you see it, you'd grab hold of something. You wouldn't go back into the coma of society. You wouldn't go back into the drunkenness of this age. You'd wake up in that, okay? In that reality where God has been speaking and he's wanting to manifest his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That is where we are heading. Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, heaven is meant to come to earth, to become one. We are meant to see the enemies of God put under Jesus' feet as a footstool. You and I are called to walk in these purposes. And we have been given the Holy Spirit of God, who is the spirit of wisdom. You have been given the spirit of wisdom. Anytime you want. You can manifest a word of wisdom. 
We prophesy all the time. You can manifest a word of wisdom. I don't know if you know what I'm saying right now. I, I, when in history Bezalel manifests the spirit of wisdom, he saw natural reality. He saw heavenly things become reality on earth. When Solomon entered into it, he also saw heavenly things be made manifest on earth. And when Solomon did that, the whole world took notice and began to travel to hear the wisdom of this man because they wanted to come under God's reality. They want that. When Jesus comes, he is seated on the throne of what? Of David. And he has made you and I a living temple where our lives are meant through wisdom to begin to display heaven on earth. This, this isn't metaphorical. This is not metaphorical. Okay, I want you to think about your family, your kids, your marriage. It's meant to be heaven on earth. Okay, it is meant to be heaven on earth. You, you have an opportunity to see the divine touch your homes. But Pastor Jamie, it's hell right now. Okay, well then, you have a war taking place. I wonder if you came into alignment with God's purposes right now, if something would change. You live in a neighborhood. Pastor Jamie, there's gunshots in our neighborhood. It's a rough place. It's bad. There's gangs. I don't know what your neighborhood situation is. Or maybe there's like a PTA group. I mean, I feel like, I feel like soccer moms are just as evil as, like, <laughs> gangs. You get them all together, whoa. <laughs> I don't know what your neighborhood's like, but I can tell you this, that the Lord wants to manifest his kingdom among you. Okay? And, and he can't. I, I don't know where you work, what corporation you work for. But, but did you know that through a word of wisdom, you could get creative ideas that solve problems for your corporation? You could get them straight from the throne of heaven, and they could manifest a kingdom reality in your business that would solve a natural problem and demonstrate the goodness of God? And all that's available to you right now? Government can come into alignment with heaven. This is all about alignment, y'all. I feel like I'm preaching way better than you're hearing. Come on. It's a gift. It's truly a gift. The Holy Spirit of God wants you to manifest heavenly realities. He wants you to really to do stuff. He, he wants the government of God is supposed to touch your lives for real and demonstrate. Okay, two passages and we're out, okay? This is what happened with Jesus. I don't know if you knew this, but Jesus, this is Romans 15. I, you know what? I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm gonna, this is an assignment. You are to read Romans chapter 15, okay? Um, this will be a test next week. Randall Worley is going to be speaking next Sunday, by the way. It's going to be powerful. You don't want to miss that. He's an incredible teacher. But Romans 15 says this about Paul and Jesus, that Jesus submitted himself intentionally to promises that were given to Israel 
so that they could be fulfilled. Jesus chose to attach himself to promises given to Israel in history. And he made them manifest through his life. Jesus looked and saw things unfulfilled and through the door. And he grabbed hold of them until they became manifested. That's what Jesus did. It cost him dearly, yeah? But he has he seen it manifested? Yes. The apostle Paul saw that Jesus had promises given to him that were not fulfilled. Namely, that every Gentile nation would come to know him. And so Paul saw that these promises given to Jesus were unfulfilled. And so what did he do? He attached himself to a previous generation's promises. And he made them come to pass with his life. And as a result, the miraculous and all that stuff began to happen in both of these lives. That's exactly what takes place in the lives of every one of those saints that we we are upon the, the, the heavenly witnesses. That's what happens. It's happening right now, y'all. There are promises not fulfilled that you somehow have come to know. And your heart burns every time you hear them talk about them. What you need to do is begin to see clearly. You need to grab hold of that until you see. Until it takes place. Do you want your life to matter? If you want your life to matter... Make heaven manifested on earth. All the glory will be given to Jesus. You're not going to get any credit. But you will have spent your life with real purpose, and it will matter in eternity. Would you jump to your feet today? I did the best I could, Austin. Sorry, man. Come on. Lord, I pray that you would open our spiritual eyes. God, I, I have been spitting all morning. I don't know if you see that coming out of my mouth. I'm sorry. I'm spitting. I'm hoping a little of that got in your vision today. That's why we have as much distance as we do with the front row, actually. <laughs> Y'all, oh, God, my heart cried this morning is that you would grant to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might see what Jesus is wanting to be built. That we might see what he gave his life for. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, would you fully form Christ in each one of us? That we could see, we could perceive that our heart would be in alignment. That the plumb line, Lord, that even in the little things, God, that, that we would know we're, we're building in alignment with what you want to see happen, Jesus, what you gave your life for. That your kingdom would be established on earth just as it is in heaven. Lord, make manifest your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I pray that this house, this church would become like, a, like this, this, this beacon, God, of, of hope. I pray, God, there'd be like an antenna, a heavenly antenna, that people would come in here, and as we worship, they would hear from God, and they would gain clarity, and angels would start to partner with their lives, Lord. And as people come and go, they'd be sent on assignment, and we'd see transformation happen. God, I pray that this house would be a house of hearing, of seeing. 
Let the rain of heaven wash our eyes that we could see and perceive God. We never go back in the box. This community, Lord, would pour itself out to see your promises fulfilled in our lifetime, Lord. Oh, God. Come and have your way. Come and have your way. Listen, is there anybody's heart who's burning within them this morning? Is this talking to anybody? God, I pray that the fire that's been shooting up in my bones would just fall so powerfully upon people. Lord, we thank you for this. God, let us receive the baton from the previous generation and run. Lord, let us impart what we steward, God, to the next generation that they too might run. We thank you for that, Lord. Knit families together. Bring healing between the generations, Lord, for the sake of Jesus. Now, Lord, I bless your people this morning. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord be so gracious to you. May his face, his countenance be towards you. May God's favor be upon your life. And may he grant you peace. I pray these things and decree them. And then also, Lord, cause our hunger to be towards cookies and bars and things that need to be bought today. Thank you for this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everybody who agreed to that said, come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord today? Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. It's our hope that God touched your life in a truly meaningful way. And if you were impacted, please let us know by writing a review or share it with friends. If you'd like more information on The House Church, we would love to connect you with our community. Please visit us at ithehouse.org for more information. We'll see you next week.